research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view, this is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, this is Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism and corruption and the abuse of power in Washington, D.C. My co host, as always, Eric Eggers. Eric, how are you? I'm great, Peter. How are you? <laughs> I am doing well. Uh, I'm at a remote location, but we want to talk today about very interesting developments on Capitol Hill. Of course, the Oversight Committee under Congressman Comer on May the 10th held a press conference and released a new report uh, concerning the Biden family. Uh, And there's some interesting developments here. We want to talk about what the report says, what it confirms that we already knew, uh, what's new in this report, and I think most importantly, Eric, where this is going. Uh, It's important for everybody to remember this is in the early stages of the committee's research process. So, Eric, what were your reactions to the Comer Committee's report? Uh, is that I don't know how you continue to be proven right. Like it's like you don't spend a lot of money. Trust me, people. But I don't, so it's not as if you're paying members of Congress. But it is interesting to me how stuff that we report in your books always tends to be validated by third party entities, which I think helps confirm the stories we've done and then add to it. And that's actually maybe one of my most favorite things of working with you and working here. It happened with Hillary Clinton. We wrote Clinton Cash, and then all the Hillary emails came out that showed the communication happening between Bill Clinton's staff at the Clinton Foundation and Hillary's Secretary of State Department. And it sort of like helped put the transactions that we documented into this light because we could see all the conversations happening behind the scenes. When you first reported on Hunter Biden in Secret Empires and his deal with the Chinese government, and then that was validated by the laptop in which, once again, we could see all the email conversations happening between Hunter Biden, his associates, about the business they were trying to do because of Joe Biden's name. I mean, that was good. And then to have members of the House of Representatives come out and say, hey, by the way, we now have the receipts, or at least some of them. We have the financial transactions. We know how many Bidens are taking money because of this. We know how many different shell corporations have been formed to try to help launder this money through these transactions. So it's always great to see the stuff that we've been reporting on, even though the media ignores it, be validated this way. Yeah, that's right. I mean, when we first reported on this in 2018, uh, the reaction was this was a myth. It's not true. There were no deals. It's now now nice to see this confirmed by this committee. And I think the committee did a good job. It's at the very early stages of kind of laying out what the predicate is here, Eric. Uh, They laid out the fact that some $10 million in foreign money, a lot of it from China, uh, they've discovered so far uh, that this money came um, from a couple of different entities in China. They certainly don't have all of them yet. And part of it is the reason is because there are four banks that they've subpoenaed the records for, and they expect that there are 12 that were actually involved in these transactions. So they're only a third of the way through. Uh, And that's one of the things I think that's important for people to keep in mind. We're still at the very early stages of this investigation. 
eight more banks to have their records subpoenaed, and there really has been no witness testimony per se. In other words, they haven't brought in Biden family members. They haven't bought in uh, business partners. They certainly haven't brought in Hunter Biden to discuss the terms of these deals. So I think what they laid out was important. It confirmed what we knew, and it also showed, Eric, this, this tangled web of some 20 limited liability companies that the Biden family had set up, which the committee basically inferred was an indication that they're trying to hide these transactions. In other words, they asked the question, why do you need so many LLCs except for the fact that you're trying to hide where this money is actually going, which is to the family? Yeah, I liked one of the quotes, which is, this is not the way legitimate people do business. <laughs> and uh, it's hard to argue with that, actually. <laughs> like the, the reason why you do, the only reason why you would do business that way is if you're trying to avoid paying taxes, which I can certainly respect, or if you're attempting to conceal or disclose who actually owns the money. And then I guess the question would become, why are you trying to intentionally conceal or disclose things? If it's because it would be quite embarrassing and potentially seen as corrupt, and unseemly for anyone connected to the president of the United States to be making money from some of the people that the Bidens are making money from. So, and and we can talk about the, the details of some of those transactions. And I, I think it's a, a great point. Like what's cool about when this, the Hunter Biden stuff gets lifted up to center stage by House Oversight Committee members, as it was last week, is then you, it, you essentially that it becomes more challenging for the media to ignore it to the extent that they have been ignoring the story for as long as they have been. And one of the great points I've heard people make, and, and you've been making this point, and I've been making this point for some time, is where the money's coming from is important. Because it's coming from China, it's coming from Romania, it's coming from uh, the Ukraine, it's not coming from Western Europe, it's not coming from Canada. And so the question becomes, why would you be forced to do business, or why would you choose to do business in some of these shadier countries? And that's because the one thing the Bidens like, have, that their business, they're not as you... Like, Jared Kushner, and when he was uh, when Trump was president, and people have gotten this question: Why is this different than what was happening to Trump? You know, the Kushners actually provided a service. They had real estate. They had uh, an established business model. Uh, the Bidens' business model is selling access to the Bidens. And when Joe Biden's in vice president, the, the, over most of these businesses were formed when Joe Biden was vice president, and they continue to do business despite what Joe Biden said since he's been president. I think that was another big revelation uh, to me but I so I guess how does it feel for you because you're sitting there seeing this you've been the one writing books about this you're the one that's had to give interviews and defend the fact pattern I mean what what was your takeaway from it yeah no I thought I thought they did a very good job and I think just to highlight the point you made it is important and the committee made a point of this uh, that what the Bidens do with these LLCs and businesses there's no tangible underlying business here uh, take the example of Jared Kushner, as you mentioned. By the way, the first book where we exposed uh, the Biden's overseas deals with China, Joe Biden was on the front cover. Also on the front cover was Jared Kushner, uh, because we looked at and raised questions about some of the transactions involving uh, 666 Fifth Avenue, which is a large building in New York City, and the fact that um, the Kushner family's business um, had received financial uh, support and investment from an investment trust that was 20% owned by the Saudis. Now, it's legitimate, I think, to raise questions about that. Does it, is it related to politics? But let's not ex ignore a big, massive thing here, which is that in the case of the Kushners, you actually have these large commercial buildings. 
They've had a real estate business for decades, long before Donald Trump ever ran for office. In the case of the Biden family, these LLCs were all set up shortly after Joe Biden became (laughs) vice president of the United States. They don't have buildings. They don't have a consultancy where they offer financial advice. They don't bring any capital to the table. They got nothing except what they have is opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, opportunity for themselves and some foreign oligarchs. So I think they made an important point in raising that question. And again, as we said, we need to look at all the kinds of deals that our political leaders are doing. But what really stands out, I think, in the case of the Bidens is there is no underlying business other than selling and peddling the influence and access to the father. And I think the committee raised that issue in a uh, most important way. And I think and hope that they continue to pound it going forward. Yeah. And I think to your point, they they sell that and they're intentional. and They're actually quite smart about it. And they also sell the appearance of influence of Joe Biden and then by extension, American policy, posture and action, which is quite the thing. So one of the emails that we've had for some time and we've talked about is an email that Hunter Biden sends to his then business partner, Devin Archer, when Joe Biden gives a speech in Ukraine and Joe Biden says to Ukrainians, essentially, that you should continue to invest in and focus on your own domestic energy and natural gas specifically. And so, you know, hey, it's the vice president. He's the point person on policy in Ukraine. On its face, it's not that magical or damning of a thing for Joe Biden to be saying that to Ukraine, especially if we're not trying to be helpful to Russia at the time. But then when you consider the fact that his son is actually on the board of Ukrainian national gas company Burisma, and he's being paid to do that, and then Hunter Biden takes that quote from that speech, sends it to Devin Archer, and says, hey, let's make sure the people in Ukraine know that you know we helped make this happen, and this is an example of how we're able to add value. Whether it's true or not that they actually influenced what Joe Biden says, they're claiming credit for it. And what we don't know is if they had access to it. I mean, and that's the thing, too. It's like, what if Joe Biden said that because his son told him to? And his son is being paid by these natural gas companies. We wouldn't have an email from Hunter to Joe saying, hey, please say this. But, uh, but it's not... It doesn't strain credulity to suggest that he might have, right? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, and, and, and part of that is you just have to look at the relationship that Joe and Hunter Biden themselves talk about, that they are close. They talk all the time. We know that uh, Hunter flew on Air Force Two with his father numerous times. There's another email, in fact, where Hunter Biden's flying with his father to Mexico and Hunter sends a steamy email uh, to a Mexican businessman where he says, You know, he's angry and he says, look to this individual, look, I got you meetings in the White House. I got you meetings in the private residency of the vice presidency. That's when Joe's vice president. Uh, And you have not owned up on your part of the bargain, which is to get me deals. Uh, That's a classic example of kind of selling access. So the committee, I think, did a very good job of in the early stages laying out the predicate. And I think the, the, the most that the White House is left with and that the established media is left with is to say, well, you haven't proven that Joe Biden was involved. Uh, you haven't got the smoking gun. And my point would be, it's early on in the investigation. We're only a third of the way through. Uh, there's more information uh, to come forward. And the issue, I think, ultimately has to be 
spoken of in really broad terms. I mean, a lot of the president's defenders are basically saying, Eric, uh, we have to just see if there's a if, there, if there's a law that's been violated. This congressional committee has to prove a crime has been committed. My question would be, let's assume for a second, I don't think this is the case, let's assume for a second that there was no crime that happened here. Do we really think it's okay and good for our political families, the family members of the Treasury Secretary, of the President, of the Vice President, for the Senate Majority Leader, for their family members to start taking in millions of dollars of cash from China? That this is good and there's nothing wrong with it because you can't prove that a law has been violated? That's essentially what they're defending. And I think what we have to see at some point from somebody at the White House or someone else is to condemn this behavior. Because if they don't, uh, it just demonstrates to me again that they're not serious in recognizing the China threat. And I think that's related to the fact that the family is receiving this money. Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, you know, you and I actually got to hang out yesterday in the Atlanta airport because you were on your way up north, and I was on my way back from England, where I had been attending a soccer game. But yeah, and while so I was just, there, let's just be clear on this. By the way, the boss is flying to New York on work, and the the vice president is flying back from a wonderful trip to London for vacation. So let's just highlight that for the audience. Yeah, you, you, you have to work harder. You know, that's why you're the president. I'm basically the, you know, I'm like Joe Biden under Obama. Like, I'm just going to talk about racial injustice and look for ways to cash in. What do you want from me? So, but, but, but it was interesting to have two conversations with two different people who one would be quite left and one would be more to the right. Um, but they both had different takes on they were aware of and had different takes on the Hunter Biden investigation that the liberal person who's a lawyer said, oh, this is kind of silly and it, it doesn't really mean anything until you put it in the context of well, what if you view the Hunter Biden story as the vehicle by which China is attempting to infiltrate U.S. policy and try to curry favor? You know, we didn't really make the point when we had the interview with Congressman Wolf, who was talking about the report that's come out about all the human and civil rights violations China is now guilty of, according to this analysis. And that's why they're calling for a total ban on lobbying in the United States on behalf of Chinese interests. But we didn't put that in the context of so people are saying you shouldn't lobby for Chinese interests because of how bad China is. Yet the son of the president's currently business partners, essentially, or has been business partners in China. So if it's not okay to lobby on their behalf, I have to think it's probably not okay to be in business with them if your father is the president of the United States. I mean, that's a frame of reference too. But I talked to, to my liberal English friend about that. And she said, actually, you know, no, China's influence peddling is a real problem. We've had massive problems with it in the UK as well. And that's true. You've got Chinese agents essentially bribing members of the English parliament and members of the English parliament is like, oh my, who knew they would be targeting members of our government to try to create favorite but that's that's their business model that is what elite capture looks like and then the one my more conservative english friend said oh it seems terrible how can it be legal or appropriate for joe biden to be point person on policy towards ukraine how can he be in charge of things regarding china and his son's taking money from people in that business i mean some people sort of get it some people view it through a more political lens but i think in either case if you frame it not just, hey, the Bidens made money. I mean, that's bad in and of itself. But lots of people make money. Lots of people cash in on public, in, on public policy and public positions. That, that happens. It's not great, but it's what keeps our think tank afloat. But I think it's the real story is, in fact, 
the way that America it's it's sort of an end around on the governing structure that our founding fathers set up. You're just going to the son of the president and trying to get him to help shape U.S. policy that way. Yeah, no, and I think the committee uh, finally started to talk about the the all important context uh, that you were alluding to, which is the fact that this is not this is not a guy in China who runs a potato chip factory and has decided that oh, Hunter's going to do marketing for us. And I mean, <laughs> they they raised for the first time, I think, in a really important way, something we've hammered in on is identifying who are these people that are actually putting money into the pockets of the Biden family. And Congressman Andy Biggs from Arizona at the press conference made the very important statement that we have highlighted in our research that Chairman Yi, for example, the head of this Chinese energy company, CEFC, who sent some $5 million to the Bidens, his job right before he became the head of this energy company was the co-director of an entity that did overseas work for Chinese military intelligence. And that that organization actually set up spies in deep cover overseas. So, again, this is not a guy running a potato chip factory. He's not making shoes for Ivanka Trump in China. This is a guy that has bona fide intelligence ties. And CEFC, the energy company, which is sending the money to Hunter Biden, was formed by former individuals connected with the People's Liberation Army. And it has all these ties that applies to this deal. It applies to all of the Biden deals. So to pretend this is just kind of like self-enrichment corruption, to me, is ridiculous. This has all the markings and should raise all the red flags of an intelligence operation. I'm glad that Andy Biggs in the press conference started that conversation. We need to have that conversation in this country. And can we just pause for a second and take a minute to tip our cap and respect the ruthlessness with which China does business as as it relates to the United States. So just think about this. The guy that's in charge of Chinese energy is the guy that used to run essentially their spy agency. And I just like to contrast that with the guy that's in charge of the U.S. roads is the former mayor in Indiana who rides a bike with a helmet. You know, I mean, like China's got... Quite in a contrast, the visual imagery there is very powerful, Eric. China's got the spy chief. We've got Mayor Pete. You know, he's got his got his puppies on his Twitter. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Yeah, this this I think is is one of the areas this committee uh, needs to go looking in the future. We're going to see that number grow. Ten billion is the the amount that they said so far that they've determined coming from these foreign sources. Well, hang on, let me ask you about that. So, te- so ten million is what they've said. And um, but you have been reporting for some time and I was going to ask you about that because, you know, you've been, I heard you be asked about that on Sean Hannity's radio program the other day. Uh, we did a great job on you. Know, I don't think you get enough credit for just how excellent you are consistently in your national media appearances. But, you know, he said, hey, well, so how do we get there? Because in, you know, in Secret Empires and these other numbers, actually in your last book, Red Handed, you talked about thirty one million dollars coming from five different transactions to Biden family members from essentially people connected to the Chinese military apparatus, including uh, Mr. Yang Ming. And so how do you reconcile the numbers that the Congressional Oversight Committee are using now versus the numbers that you've reported on previously? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Again, they've, they've done four of 12 banks. What the 10 million figure that they cite uh, does not include is 
the BHR, the Private Equity Fund. Uh, University of Chicago Business School uh, professor estimates that's probably worth $20 million uh, to Hunter Biden alone based on the size. It also doesn't include some of the other transactions that we know about, including Rosemont Realty, for example. There's a wire transfer from Henry Zhao. So that number, that $10 million figure, is going to continue to grow uh, as this committee gathers more uh, financial materials. And there's this lingering question of that BHR. That's that $1.5 billion private equity deal. Hunter Biden was given a ownership stake in that management company. Uh, That's supposed to be worth about $20 million. He says he sold it. There's been some contradictory uh, uh, views on whether he has, uh, but they've argued he sold it. But the question is, is what was the market value of that at the time that he allegedly sold it, and how much did he get for it? Um, That may not be reflected in the numbers uh, that we get, but the bottom line is it's going to be tens of millions of dollars when we are said and done, and again, it's coming from businessmen in China who all have links to Chinese intelligence, meaning they're business partners with the top spies in China. Uh, These are not rank-and-file businessmen Um, And that, I think, again, has all the hallmarks of an intelligence operation rather than um, just some random get-rich-quick scheme that Hunter Biden had in China. Okay, so what do we think then – I guess we don't know what they'll continue to find. They have eight more banks to look at at least, and and as you said, there are witnesses that can come forward. In your mind, what's the – give me the best case scenario for, hey, if they produced this, then this would be actually compelling. And this would be something that really is so, there's no ignoring this. Is it a witness you'd like to hear from? Is it a financial transaction that you don't know about, but you suspect might exist? I mean, what's the one thing you'd be the most interested to see if they can uncover? Well, I think it's going to be very interesting going forward as they zero in on Joe Biden's role in this. Uh, And let's remember something. Uh, Joe Biden had a private separate phone uh, that was paid for by Hunter Biden and his business partners when Joe Biden was vice president of the United States. Uh, That was the private phone by which Hunter Biden and his business partners, we know that they communicated with Joe Biden on this phone line because they refer to them in emails. Let's remember that phone number can be subpoenaed. Uh, And it's going to be interesting to see when we start getting phone records and other information to see who and when Joe Biden was communicating with people. That, I think, is going to be a tell-all sign of Joe Biden's role. The Bidens are smart in the way in which they engaged in these corrupt acts. There's not going to be a smoking gun email or a smoking gun text message where it is said, Tell those guys to send us $2 million and we're going to do this favor. That's not how this works. Uh, And that is not the only bar or the the level at which we should look at corruption. Um, That's a quid pro quo. You You can rent people. You can buy people by renting them. You don't have to engage in a quid pro quo. And in my mind, that is illegal as well. So I think that's the sort of thing I would look for coming down the pike. So... I think that's a great point. And what we'll be able to do is take a look at any phone records that come from the Joe Biden phone that Hunter Biden paid for. And they'll be able to cross-reference timing because you won't obviously be able to have the contents of phone calls or even text messages. But you can see when I think those phone calls are made or when texts are sent. 
And you'll be able to then cross-reference those with meetings we know from emails and other conversations that Hunter Biden and his business associates are having with some of these international people. And so we can see, hey, do we know they met with them on this day at this time? And then an hour later, there's a phone call made. I mean, that's the kind of thing you're referring to. That's right. I mean, you know, in, in politics and in corruption, like comedy, timing is everything. And uh, I think we're going to see some very interesting overlay as to when they were talking, what was going on in Hunter's business relationships. Uh, And let's remember, this phone was not secure. This was not a government device. And Joe Biden has a phone. Uh, We know about it because Hunter Biden actually in the emails complained about the fact that he was paying his father's phone bill, had been paying for it since 2009. Um, I have a huge problem, by the way, with a private company, which is Hunter Biden's business, Rosamond Seneca Partners, paying for a private line uh, for access with the Vice President of the United States. In and of, that in, in and of itself is a major problem. But I think in this case, it may actually provide a roadmap Uh, to see the sorts of things that were going on and when they were occurring. And that's, I think, something that um, we hopefully can look forward to in the months knowing more about. Do we have any evidence that this activity was curtailed since Joe Biden has become president, that they took their foot off of the accelerator? Or do we think that the Bidens say, hey, he's actually president now. We can do this. We can make even more money. (laughs) He got a job promotion. So our fees can go up. (laughs) Right. Um, You know, I, I think they have been they have recognized the potency of this issue. Going back to 2019, uh, when it started to get a little bit of attention, and uh, I, I think you know in the run up to the 2020 election, and so you know Joe Biden promised that there were going to be no more foreign deals, um, which again is interesting because that signifies he controls the family, right? Um, uh, but I, you know, I'm not taking his word for it, but I do think they recognize the potency of this and the vulnerability of it politically. Uh, they benefited from the fact that this issue was covered up uh, by the media in 2020 and, and has been since, that they covered up the laptop and other reporting. So I think they are holding their breath. If Joe Biden is reelected, Um, in 2024, and he has no prospects for future office, I think all bets are off. And I think as far as their fee structure is concerned, the sky is the limit. They've demonstrated in the past they're willing to do business with Russian oligarchs, Chinese intelligence-linked businessmen, um, Ukrainian corrupt Ukrainian energy companies. So God forbid, if he wins in 2024, I can only imagine the sort of people that will be stuffing money into their pockets. No, it's a great point. And I think to your to validate that, I believe uh, that the first transaction with China was secured shortly after Joe Biden was reelected to vice president for the second time. So it's like we know we have four more years. So, you know, but now is the time to cash in. It was done before it could be used as potential electoral vulnerability ahead of the fall 2012. I think that's exactly right. Uh, So, Eric, tell me uh, in, in our final moments here, tell us where you think. Uh, this story is going to go is somebody who has been involved in this, uh, you know, research process uh, this investigation that we've had going back to 2016 on the Bidens. You've been long time involved in this. Where do you see it going? I think it's going to get any better for the Bidens. Like, I mean, I think that's the, the main point that that just was my perspective on it and, and all the interviews I've done and, you know, all the stuff that as we continue to see Every next email, every another transaction, you know, the number of Bidens involved doesn't get smaller. It gets bigger. The amount of money the Bidens made continues to go up. It's not like, oh, wait, actually, that wasn't a 
$2 million deal is a $50,000 deal. No, the, the money continues to increase. And um, yeah, I mean, and so the number, the fact that we've got grandchildren now being included in this doesn't suggest that Joe Biden was less involved, right? <laughs> like, they just, you know, we have so much money, we have to find more people to give this to so that we can then keep it on hand uh, for Joe Biden. So um, I do think that as the committee continues to do this, and this is why we've been optimistic all along, you now have people with subpoena power. So between this and the lawsuit that Hunter's enmeshed in in Arkansas, in which the judge has told the little girl's lawyers that they're able to subpoena his art transaction records, I think this is another possible revenue stream from foreign actors. So I think that, um, yeah, I think we're going to continue to find out more. And I think, unfortunately for me, because I have to work with you, you're only going to be proven more correct. So, <laughs> Well, uh, it's been a great team effort, uh, and you've been a big part of that too, Eric, so thank you for that. And we appreciate this audience listening to our podcasts, uh, following our investigations, supporting our work. As you can imagine, uh, there's a lot of dreary uh, research that is done uh, in the buildup to our investigative findings. So um, we appreciate and thank you for your encouragement and support. Uh, please continue to listen to the podcast. You can find it uh, at thedrilldown.com where there are story updates uh, concerning our investigative work. And you can find this podcast uh, anywhere where fine podcasts are located. Until next time, thank you very much for listening.